Welcome to Inner Peace and Power, the podcast for busy humans who are seeking to uncover that sense of inner calm and clarity in our fast-paced and ever-distracted world. I'm your host, Dr. Rashmi Shram, and together we'll hear inspiring stories and we'll explore timeless wisdom with practical tips that give us access to deeper connections, more energy, and that sense of fulfillment. I am so grateful to be on this journey with you. Thank you for being here. Hello, hello, dear friend. Welcome back to this episode of Inner Peace and Power. We are going to have the best time today. And that is because we are going to be talking about something that I think you're going to find very interesting and perhaps you've encountered already in the past and maybe encountering right now. And that is the really common myths about meditation. And so today, we're going to spend some time debunking some of the most common myths. We're going to tackle three of the most common myths that I tend to find about meditation and mindfulness. And we're really going to start to uncover the truth about finding your inner peace, your inner power. And of course, all this is from my perspective as number one, first and foremost, a lifelong student of life and of mindfulness and meditation, of course. And this is also my perspective as a certified teacher of several advanced techniques of meditation that I have been teaching for many years, as well as, of course, incorporating coaching. And let's not forget the 23 plus years of my experience as a physician. So that's really the perspective that I'm bringing to you as far as debunking some of these really common myths, okay? So as you know, I am a huge fan of meditation. I truly believe it is one of the most powerful tools that we can ever practice in our lives. And I also think it's often underutilized. It is incredibly time-effective and cost-effective. And especially in our modern hectic world, the known benefits continue to blow my mind, right? Like some of the known benefits, these are with studies that are published with meditation are decreases in chronic inflammation, improvement in focus. We all need that, right? Improved moods. We certainly probably all need that too. And of course, all of the downstream effects of some of those things, right? Like when our moods are improved, when our awareness is improved, the downstream effects are things like really greatly improved or strengthened relationships, particularly the ones that are meaningful to us, right? And so as we practice meditation or mindfulness, we tend to have an increase in self-awareness and just awareness in general. And if you think about it, awareness in and of itself is probably the most important thing that we can ever cultivate in our lives, right? Awareness is always the key starting point to any meaningful change. Awareness is always necessary before we can make any transformation at all. And so this is why I think that meditation is so important. And this is also why I want to really debunk or bust some of these myths that I tend to hear so much, right? And so for the next few minutes, if you've ever, you know, believed any of these myths or thought they were true, 
I want you to just uh, suspend any judgment if that's there, right? And just bring in that sense of curiosity that's already always a part of you. And if we're like curious as a collective, as a whole, that's really the only piece that we need to take, right? So honestly, you know, I always like to start with a personal story and all three of these myths that I'm about to bust, I actually used to truly, truly believe at some point in my life, whether it was, you know, before I became a teacher or during my training or somewhere along the line in my life, I have definitely believed these myths and these things pop up all the time. So if you have ever said these things or heard these things said, you are a hundred percent seen and heard right now. And so the number one thought or the number one myth, shall I say, is this idea that meditation should be thought free. Like we shouldn't have any thoughts at all when we meditate. This is really, I think this is the most common misconception for sure, right? Like we should have a blank mind or have no thoughts at all. But that's literally close to impossible, right? So what I really want to debunk here is that meditation is not about having no thoughts during your meditation. Meditation is really developing a relationship with the thoughts that are showing up, developing a relationship with the emotions that show up during a meditation, right? And so when we start to practice meditation, which of course is a formal way to practice mindfulness, which is an awareness that arises when we're paying attention to this present moment without judgment and with curiosity. So if we were to allow thoughts to arise without judgment and with curiosity, what are we doing? What are we doing then? Then we are developing a different relationship with the thoughts that are showing up either during meditation or outside the meditation. And as we develop a different relationship with these thoughts, we start to recognize and have a felt sense of, I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions, right? And so when that becomes really, really the default for how we move through our meditation, how we move through our lives, we can then choose whether we are becoming attached to a certain set of thoughts or we're repulsed. They're basically the same thing, right? So whenever we're trying to avoid something, it's the same thing as trying to go towards something. So however that's showing up, what I would invite you to do instead, like if you, you know, are one of the people, one of the hundreds of people who over the last like 12 years has said to me, I can't meditate because, you know, like I'm just not a good meditator because I can't ever quiet my mind. This is so common. I'm here to tell you that you are meditating properly. It's a valid meditation. Even if you have one million, two million thoughts during your meditation, there's no such thing as being without thoughts, right? So what I'll tell you is as you begin to practice this skill of allowing the thoughts to pass through the mind, right? Allowing the emotions to pass through. It's a skill. It's a skill like anything else. It's a skill like you going to the gym. It's a skill like you learning to code. It's a skill like you running, like any of those things. You wouldn't just really expect to be so masterful at it. And so, by the way, there's no such thing as a meditation expert, just so you know. So we're not really talking about expertise. We're just talking about 
developing a, a comfortable relationship with meditation and with the thoughts that come during meditation. Because of course, if there's quiet, the thoughts are going to amplify. And so I want you to really on a very practical level, the next time you sit down for a meditation, I want you to just notice really the relationship that you're having with those thoughts, right? And the one major practical tip that I have for you about when the thoughts show up, because they will, right? We know that the vast majority of human beings have somewhere between 60,000 thoughts to 80,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts, right? And it turns out somewhere like 90% of those thoughts are recycled from the day before. Holy smokes. So then we start to go, well, how much attention should I be paying to the thoughts that come here? And so that's really the key. The key is going to be attention. And so you get to choose where you put your attention because your energy is always following your attention, right? And so when you notice that you're in a whole pattern of thoughts, that's the magic point during a meditation is when you notice that you're in thoughts then all you have to do is choose to put your attention back into the meditation. So if it's like a nidra, for example, then you have a guidance or any guided meditation, then all you have to do is just come back to the guidance. That's it. And even if you have to do that 500 times in five minutes, great, no problem. You did it. You did the meditation and it was valid, right? And and so you really get to practice where you're putting your attention. Now, let me tell you that some thoughts are very obvious as thoughts, right? Like this, this is what I have learned over the years and years and years of practicing meditation. Like some thoughts like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? I really want pasta. Ah, uh, you know what? I had pasta yesterday. Maybe I shouldn't have pasta or whatever, right? That's a train of thoughts that are showing up. Well, that's pretty obvious that those are thoughts, right? So then you know how to redirect your attention. But let me tell you, that your thoughts are really sneaky because I have those same really sneaky thoughts too. The really sneaky thoughts are actually about the meditation itself. So you tell me if you've ever had any of these thoughts. Thoughts like, yeah, this meditation sucks. This meditation is not going right. This meditation isn't working for me. This just isn't working for me. How long has it been? Oh my God, my back is itchy all of a sudden. I really do hate it when that timer goes off. Like all of those, guess what, my friend? Those are all thoughts. They're just thoughts. They're thoughts, but they're thoughts about the meditation. So somehow they rope us into really putting our attention on them. So the next time you notice that you will have your attention on thoughts, whether it's about the meditation, about you, or about anything else, it's really simple. All you have to do is come back to the meditation. So if it's a guided meditation, you're coming back to the guidance. If it's a breath meditation, you're coming back to your breath. If it's a mantra meditation, then you're just coming back to the mantra. And that's it. That's really the most powerful thing that you can remember is that you're really not supposed to have a meditation that is completely like with a blank mind. Meditation for me, I'll tell you, and I do meditate every single day. Sometimes it's just messy, but guess what? I get it done and it's the consistency that always matters, right? And I get to see consistent results because I choose to meditate messy and I choose to do it consistently. And I would really invite you to try the same for you as well. Okay, so that's the first myth. And I think it's probably the most important myth to, to debunk and bust, right? Okay, so what is the myth number two? 
Myth number two is this myth of a feeling of bliss or a feeling of constant bliss during meditation. Ooh, this is a really big one, y'all, because this is something that I truly used to believe myself. I really used to think that, oh my gosh, my meditation sucked because I didn't feel so blissed out during it or something like that. This is really, really common. And if you've ever had this thought, I want you to really pay attention. Now, here's the thing. Here's the debunking part. It's that a certain level of calmness, a certain level of peacefulness, they definitely arise, okay? They definitely arise during most meditations or during meditation, right? There is a sense of physical relaxation as well. There is a sense of moving into that you know, ventral vagal parasympathetic response during meditation. That's really what meditation is supposed to be about. And when that happens, yes, there can be moments of bliss, right? And so then what ends up happening, if we've ever experienced that sense of bliss, is we end up becoming really attached to it because that's just part of the human experience. And this was something that I really truly used to believe as well is that I, you know, I used to feel like I used to really try to get to this blissful place. But here's what tends to happen during meditation, because remember, I told you, you know, earlier that meditation can be a messy experience. Well, meditation can be a messy experience in terms of bliss and or emotions as well, right? So because oftentimes, particularly during these deeper meditations, what can happen is if there are repressed thoughts, if there are repressed emotions, if there are things that we haven't dealt with, they're going to come up. They are going to come up. So it is very, very common for me as a meditation facilitator to have my students either, you know, have tears. There might be sadness. There might be pain. There might be fear. All of those things are so valid as they emerge. And the first thing that we do is we're like, well, this meditation sucks. I'm never going to meditate again. Or this meditation isn't working for me because I'm not feeling blissed out. I'm feeling fearful instead. Well, it really doesn't mean anything about your meditation because remember, we're bringing curiosity to the meditation and to life in general. And remember, there's no one proper way to feel during meditation, right? And so this is what I like to remind people. And I like to remind myself of this as well is that when we have these often uncomfortable emotions that arise either during a meditation, maybe immediately after a meditation or hours after a meditation, whatever discomfort arises, whatever it was, that fear, whatever it is that arises, I really want you to remember that these things are arising because they are coming to go. They are leaving. They are leaving because they are not, you know, you are not your emotions, you are not your thoughts. And it's they're not leaving because they're bad. They're just leaving because they're not a part of you, right? And so we don't need to avoid them. We don't need to attach anything to it. So really, truly, when you have anything that emerges during a meditation, be grateful for it because it is coming to go. And so What's a practical way to deal with this? Really, a practical way to deal with this is to begin to have a softness towards those emotions, right? Because they're transient. They're part of your growth. They're part of your healing process. And just like we talked about moving our attention is a skill, 
sitting with our emotions or getting comfortable in discomfort is also a skill. It's a very mindful skill for us to develop as human beings. Because if we're really constantly avoiding or trying to distract ourselves from our emotions or how we feel, woof, boy, that's a really costly way for us to live. I mean, it's it's really expensive in that we have to continuously be so busy that we just cannot feel our feelings. And so it's, trust me, it's so much easier to just allow the feelings and the emotions to pass through us. I promise you, I have so many students who can tell you this as well. Okay, so those are the top two myths, right? Okay, here's the third myth. And maybe this is, maybe this is like 2.5. I don't know, but this is definitely a myth that is perpetuated so much. And it's sometimes perpetuated by by really well-meaning people. Obviously, all of these myths are perpetuated by well-meaning people. That's for sure. So the myth number three is the myth that meditation is a way to escape real life. Like meditation is escapism, right? Ooh, that is so not what meditation is, right? Meditation is the exact opposite of that. Meditation is actually a way for us to have a deeper experience of life. Meditation is a way for us to have a richer experience of our lives. And so I will tell you, though, that this can come and go because I may have actually used meditation as a way to escape certain things when I was first starting to meditate. And so it isn't like wrong to to use meditation as an escape practice, if you will. Because, you know, ultimately, it's actually rewiring your brain for more focus and improved moods and for you to have the capacity to have more awareness. But I will invite you to think of meditation as a way for you to actually be more present in the present moment. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. So I have this amazing student. I have so many amazing students. Oh, my gosh. So I have this amazing student. And one of the things that she suffers with, so she suffers with Uh, a chronic pain syndrome. And it can be really debilitating for her. And so what she started to notice when she got into these really deep meditative states is that she was essentially pain-free, basically pain-free. That's pretty cool. And that that sense of being pain-free, it's a beautiful and amazing side effect of her meditation practice. And she really enjoys her meditation practice. And what she also tells me is that her pain, she notices, is actually decreased when she comes out, when she emerges from her meditation practice as well. And we, what's really cool is that we have studies to show the same effect can be reproduced. There are studies that have been published that show that meditation has pretty incredible pain-relieving effects, y'all. So there were, there are studies that are published that show a 57% reduction in pain, especially if it's like a limb pain or a very specific pain that is generally chronic or back pain, something like that. And there's a study that showed that it was even better than morphine. So I'm just putting it out there that if you are really looking to decrease pain of any kind, I want you to really explore meditation as a way to enjoy your life more as a way for you to live your life generally without that intensity of pain. And so 
having said that, I'm going to remind us again that meditation is absolutely not a way of escaping our lives. There is a name for this, and this is called spiritual bypassing. And spiritual bypassing is this idea of pretending that everything is great and we just go to meditate, right? We're basically not dealing with all the mess in our lives and we just go meditate. That is really not how meditation is supposed to be used, okay? So when we are truly incorporating our meditation into the rest of our lives, right, that's what matters because if we're not using meditation as a way for us to be more present in this moment, but then we're just missing these really small but important moments in our lives. And once we miss it, it's gone. It's never coming back. Your time is never coming back. My time is never coming back. And so for me, I really want to emphasize to you that meditation actually deepens our connection to life. It deepens and it enhances the richness of our experiences. And it can even, you know, really truly decrease our pain or discomfort as well. And so that is really, for me, the top three myths that I really wanted to debunk because I tend to see this, I'll tell you, I tend to see this on an almost daily basis. And I want us to kind of come back to this remembering of meditation and and that there is not one right way to meditate. And I also want to remind you that there are only two things that you need to meditate, and that is to sit down, especially if it's a seated meditation, which most of those are, and to close your eyes. That's it. You don't need any fancy equipment. You really don't need anything, right? If you have a guided meditation, of course, then you can use that, like a nidra, for example, right? And so you only need two things, right? You just need to sit down, close your eyes, boom, done. So there are only two things that you can do wrong during a meditation. Only two things, y'all. The only two things you can do wrong during meditation is follow a thought when you catch yourself paying attention to a thought. So for example, if the thought is, I want pasta, then, because we already talked about that, apparently I really want pasta. If you want pasta, then you'll go directly into, well, maybe I can get takeout from fill in the blank restaurant. That is the only thing you can do wrong. Because what are we doing when we catch ourselves in a thought? We're just coming back to the meditation. That's it. So, and so there are only two things. So the, the first thing is to follow the thought. That's, that's the only thing you can do wrong. Wrong, quote unquote, but really there's no wrong as we know. But also the second thing is to not make time for the meditation itself. That's actually also the next most common thing that gets us caught in the crosshairs of not meditating when we really mean to meditate. So remember, there's never a time to meditate. There's never a perfect time to meditate. But for me, it's always in the mornings. And I always have to create the time. I want you to really remember that is that no one has time to meditate. So you'll have to create the time. You'll have to create the time. And I would really encourage you to meditate anywhere that feels like a meditation spot for you, whether it is sitting on a rock in Central Park, shout out to Courtney, because this is something that she does. Or sitting, you know, in between surgeries, you know, you're this rock star surgeon like Crystal, and you're in this very sterile environment. Maybe that's two minutes. Maybe you're just noticing your breath. And that's a beautiful way to meditate. Or maybe, you know, when you're like tending to horses or really doing like anything that you are doing, any place that you are is the place for you to practice meditation. And I really want you, I really invite you to lean into your meditation practice 
with that sense of curiosity, with the sense of openness, and really a sense of patience, right? And if these three, you know, myths that were busted was helpful for you, I am so grateful for sure, because I see them over and over again. I also see these myths perpetuated all over the place, particularly perpetuated in the usual places, right? So social media and things like that. And so just to review the three myths, the number one myth is that I should have no thoughts during meditation. And number two, it's that really I should always feel blissed out during a meditation. And then myth number three is that meditation is a way to escape real life. So so what do we replace with all of those is just curiosity and a sense of bringing ourselves back into a consistent practice, whatever that looks like for you. Because ultimately, the markers for meditation aren't any metrics. Ultimately, the markers for meditation are in what ways am I growing? In what ways am I evolving? In what ways am I contributing to the whole? In what ways am I contributing to the relationships that I'm in, right? Like those are the things that matter. How we are conducting ourselves in our lives is really what matters when we're meditating because it's, again, it's not a way to bypass. It's a way to live a very, very rich life. Okay, dear friend? So listen, if this was helpful for you, please leave me a review. Pretty please. Don't be stingy with your reviews. Leave me a review. Just a quick one, maybe two lines. And please share the show. Please, please share, right? We're in an, a, a baby stage. I'm really trying to move into the toddler and preschool stage of this podcast. I really would love for you to share this, especially if this was helpful for you. And I really want to encourage you to try a guided meditation. We have two here on this podcast. And I have so many of them on my YouTube channel. You can find them in the show notes. You can; Those are all free. And of course, if you wish to join my membership, we have an enormous amount of in-depth meditation and meditation materials for you, as well as ongoing support from a beautiful community and me as well. And so as I'm signing off, I wish you well on your journey in your life. And I cannot wait to see you on the next episode of Inner Peace and Power. Thank you for listening to Inner Peace and Power and for being an invaluable part of our community. If today's episode resonates with you, please subscribe so you won't miss any of the weekly episodes or the bonus meditations. And please share with friends, family, or anyone you think may benefit. Your support means the world, and I am so grateful. Before we part, a gentle reminder, while I am a physician, I am not your physician. Everything we discuss on Inner Peace and Power is for informational and educational purposes only. It's never intended to be medical advice. So always consult with your own healthcare provider for any medical concerns. Until next time, remember, you're never alone and it's never too late to tap into that inner power. So keep nurturing that beautiful connection, dear friend, and I will see you soon.